love my delete later. I bloody hope you do. You can support our show by using the new ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there is no regular commitment. Just smash that link in the show description and support us now so we can keep making this podcast. Thank you. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello and welcome to the last episode of series one of like delete later with oh. me stevie martin i know it's so sad a person who feels social media should walk out to the sea and never return i hate it that's very specific that isn't it and me yes. gina martin who actually enjoys social media and it's ocean of delights um we I go wrote through that. stevie wrote that it makes me laugh we go through people we find interesting social media timelines and we dredge up some juicy good business. So today our guest is actually a bucket list guest. We did not oh. think we'd get him for series one. Um, he walked out of politics in 2015 and never returned. His career went from Labour politician and shadow chancellor to Twitter sensation and strictly come da- dancing icon, two words, Gangnam style. He's <laughs> written an autobiography called Speaking Out. He does a lot for the charity Action for Stammering Children. He actually the li- he's been like the chairman of Norwich FC Football Club. Like he's got he's done quite a lot of stuff. We're mm. obviously talking about the man Ed Balls. So excited to have him here. Um, Ed's Twitter account even spawned a national day. Uh, this year we celebrate the ninth annual Ed Balls Day. After Ed, while searching for an article on himself in 2011, tweeted his own name and it became infamous. Um, to celebrate Ed Balls Day in 2016, he also baked a cake featuring the tweet and he's just an all-round great guy to have on. Yeah, he was really, really a good laugh, really fun. And also what I found really especially interesting about this episode is that we talked a bit about how they don't get any training as politicians to go on social media. Like when he was starting out, they were just sort of sent into this wilderness. Yeah, there's quite it was quite like a demystifying conversation about politics. And then at the same time, there's quite a lot of hilarious, funny stuff, like the bit where he starts dancing to Beyonce. But we'll get you to hear that bit later. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He, this is a really, a really good one to end the series on, I think. It really made me think. And it also I, I learned things that I, I did not realise about what how, how politicians operate on social media yeah well we hope you love it we hope you've loved season one so here is the last episode um and remember you can go to at might delete later pod on instagram for all the posts we discussed today enjoy enjoy we did an interview for i can't remember was it the evening standard and we said we had a guest that we've had on and then we had dream guest and it was Ed Balls. And then within a few days, you'd confirmed. Which we were very excited about. <laughs> well, look, I saw the Evening Standard and thought, you know, make their dreams come true. Yes. Thanks. This is what life's about. We do a little feature which is called, uh, what would you like to delete this week? You know, what is the, the one thing I'd like to delete from the last five or six days? Yeah. While we're all dealing with, you know, the end of lockdown, having yes. to um, try and see people when you can't in your house, is that... We've got to stop. You've got to delete spontaneous showers of rain in the middle of the afternoon. 
when you suddenly get absolutely soaked. And what are you supposed to do? Because you yes. can't go or go indoors because the vet's there saying, I'm really sorry, the rules don't allow this. So you have to stand outside and get wet or oh, no. have an umbrella. What, what would you delete, Gina, this, this week? So I bought fruit toast. Oh. And I'm really enjoying it because tea cakes are my main, like, obsessive snack. Ooh, and but you put it as a loaf, did you? Yeah. You know the loaf that's already sliced and it's, like, uh, delicious. Put it in the toaster, lots of salty butter on top. Delicious. You can get a good hot cross bun version or just go for a plain fruit. I got a plain fruit. Try the hot cross bun one. It can be very good. Oh, so many opinions. Warburton's so doing very good. There's, there's a whole range. You're very good at this. You should get your fruit toast on, Ed Balls. No, um, I got yeah, I got my fruit toast, and you know when you get a raisin, but it's got the stalk still on it, and it's in the bread. So it's you crunchy. get that, like, the sand thing. I had about I had about six in one slice, and I that's what I delete. I I might actually get a refund. If you do a tweet with the, the, that excerpt of the podcast and a picture, you might find that Warburton's will suddenly send you. A thousand, which will be of no use to you because you can only eat one at a time. Really. And it'll go stale. But you know what? Yeah. If you do a tweet, I might get invited to like the factory, so that'd be good. <laughs> I have actually been around at Warburton's factory, oh. and they are amazing to go around. I'm so There's jealous. one near my old constituency on the Normanton border, oh. and it's really good to go in. But I'm not sure they did the fruit loaves there. Well, can you tell them next time you're there to delete the stalks like the raisins because it's upsetting? I, I, I think I think you right. are you are you are right. Stevie, what would you delete this week? Mine's and it's not fair. Basically, I am. Um, I'm in a current stage where I like pitch for work and um, and then get the job and then don't want to do it and complain yeah. for to myself every morning lockdown that I actually mindset. don't want to do don't do the thing that I you know what it's not even lockdown it happens in normal life and I get <laughs> up and I'm furious that I have to do this thing that I was desperate to do wanted to do have been given a lovely opportunity to do and then I moan a lot of the day I so feel that that's what I would like to delete I guess I'm deleting the concept of me working so. <laughs> It's a, it's, it's, a, it's a very important thing, though, which is that and if you're a politician, somebody says, would you like to come and do a speech next March? And you say, yeah, great. Yeah. And then you get to the end of February and you think, why? I even I have this, yeah. Agreed to do that. So I think you always have to think when you're putting that work in, if I get it tomorrow, do I still want it? That's and if you thing. don't want it tomorrow, always say no or always find, find a way to say, I can't make a decision now. But can we decide in three weeks' time? And if they say no, that's fine. But it's 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 th- that idea that somehow it's far enough away that it's not a problem. It'll be that's fine. so true. Not I do that all works. the time. I wanted to very just broadly ask you yeah. what what's your relationship like with Twitter? Like, do you enjoy it? Uh, I do enjoy it, and I use it a lot actually, and um, for lots of different reasons over the um over the years i mean i've had a checkered relationship with it there's Mm. been moments when it's not gone right but i've been doing it for 12 years now and i think professionally in my old job when i was a politician if you were going to go on to the today program or the world at one and you wanted to know in the most up-to-date way what's happened in the world in the last five minutes so you were never caught out twitter is faster than anything else in telling you in terms of telling you what to do yeah. Um, I I use it a lot for football because um, I'm a Norwich City fan. I was chairman of the club, and I learned a lot about Twitter, including not to tweet about football. You're the chairman <laughs> of the football club, but 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 it's nice to keep in touch with fans and what's going on. So I have a um, a search for Norwich. Do you find it nicer now that you're not a politician? Well, it's massively different. But social media is a pretty rough place, and I think it's got a harsher, and it's harsh for politicians. I think it's particularly tough on um, uh, on women politicians and I see that 
in my life all the time because of who I'm married to. When I was a politician, my Twitter feed would, could be pretty wild. Um, and it's much, much uh, less so now. It's much um, nicer and more generous. But I've, I've sort of seen both sides of the um, of the, the the track. Somebody will do a tweet saying, uh, could I give them my Yorkshire pudding recipe or, or lasagna? Because things oh. which, for historical reasons, are out there. Nowadays, if I do, then people say nice things. Whereas in the old days, you've had loads and loads of abuse for it, as well as the, the nice bit. So you had to sort of aim... Off. And then I also use it because sometimes if you're just scrolling through, you find stuff that you'd never have seen. Yeah. And I often tweet links from Twitter to find out about stuff I would never have looked up otherwise. So um, I kind of like it just to explore. Do you think if you're a politician today without social media, do you think that would be possible to have a successful connected career in politics without it? No, but I think it's possible to do it really badly and for it to be counterproductive. And mm. I think with Twitter in particular, Facebook is a bit different because Facebook can be like publishing a, um, a press release. But with Twitter, it has to be personal. You can see immediately the people who are doing it when it's not really them, it's uh, their team or their staff. And if it looks like you're doing it as a form of self-promotion, I think people really react badly to that. And mm. you have to be willing to, to do things which you find odd or interesting or funny or quirky. Um, and do and allow yourself to be seen doing unusual things or just in weird ways rather than it being if it looks like you're using it professionally I think then that can really uh, backfire yes but um if as a way of revealing a bit more about who you are and as a way of knowing what's going on I think it's really powerful and I think every senior politician other than you know, you're the prime minister you probably have got you know more important things to do, like your press-ups or whatever. Well, Donald Trump hasn't, <laughs> clearly, but... <laughs> well, Donald, Trump, Donald Trump is astonishing and, um, and appalling the way he has used it, but it's incredibly, it's incredibly powerful. It's like a masterclass yeah. in how not to use it. It's like it is, but it's also absolutely fascinating how he uses it, I find. Just, I think it's it almost as if, like, well, there were no rules that you couldn't do that, but everyone just, of course you shouldn't use it like that if you're the leader of America. I don't think that we realize the extent to which such a large part of um, American society anyway would see the mainstream media as the out-of-touch evil elite. Mm. Um, but his his ability to go around pretty much every media outlet and talk to people directly and with a massive engagement on every tweet. When I did the programs of the BBC called Travels in Trumpland, actually a lots of his supporters were quite skeptical about his tweets oh, but they were wow. quite forgiving because i think the thing you know we all think these people who vote for him they must be deluded or extreme whereas actually you meet lots of people who are, are not extremists but they also find aspects of him quite off-putting but he connects with them in some way about something which is important in their lives which is often feeling that they've been ignored or not listened to and there's this guy who's tweeting them directly yeah. Well, it's also like about like you. You mentioned earlier about how people like to see people. Um, we're going to get onto your your posts later, and I think it's a really good, not just the obvious one. Like it's a really good example of how you kind of always tweet like you are a person tweeting, and, human, and people respond yeah. really well. So people forgive. Hang on a sec. Hang on a sec. I am a person. No, no. <laughs> that's, it. And that's why. Almost as if. Though. Almost as if. Do you know? Do you know what the the, the, the worst thing about about leaving politics and doing other stuff, especially doing strictly 
all the time. I still get it now. People say, you know, we always knew you're a politician, but it's really good to find out that now you're a human being. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, like you weren't before. It's and terrible, actually, so it? it wasn't that I tweeted like a person. No, you just are. <laughs> you know what's weird? That's no, a great I, point, I, though, because I, I, I even... fully fall into that. I'm like, you know, politicians, fine, lovely, not people. That's terrible. Isn't that <laughs> not weird? People, not, not like us, a bit weird, a bit odd. Yeah. Well, also, I suppose it's because of the expectation. There's a very different expectation when you're a politician on social media than there is, I'd say, any other yeah. career. You have to be intelligent, sincere. They want you to eat every tweet. You kind of people want you to be like, good. And he can also lead the country if necessary oh. on various aspects of life. And that's on every so, aspect of the country. Yeah, it's so not normal that's true. i don't know if you found it exhausting but it feels like it would be exhausting constantly treading that line between showing people that you are real and that you're not just a, ro- a robot and also and then the other other side which is like being t- completely insane like trump <laughs> like if he's like well, one end of the spectrum the thing which you have to guys obviously when you're talking to people who are new into politics i mean this is this is publishing what you're doing yeah. it's not a little remark to a mate you're publishing something which could actually be on the front of the Daily Mail tomorrow. It will last forever. If you start deleting it, that's quite problematic. Yeah. And so you have to um, to really think, am I sure I want to publish this? And, mm. it, it, and that's a little bit of a check. But if you allow that to become overwhelming, then all you ever do is boring. Yeah, you never feel relatable. or And that's the great thing about those platforms is they are kind of the one space where you get to control the narrative and be relatable and have that rapport with people. So, yeah, exactly. I guess I guess walking across that line and following that line is quite a balance sort of, at times. It is. Um, because the, our family always watched X Factor. For Yvette's um, birthday, we actually bought tickets for all of us to go and see the live tour at the O2, the year when, um, oh. when, when Matt Cardle won and One Direction came second. It's Cher yeah. Lloyd that year. And so and, and we'd be sitting around watching the TV and then it, it's interesting to look on Twitter to see what people are saying. Yeah, actually, you sort of of, And then you sort of join in. And then um, there was one time, I can't remember who it was, I think it made me Misha B. I did like a cheer for Misha B on Twitter. And then Nicole Scherzinger reads it out on the live programme. Whoa. And, and our, I mean, at the time our kids were like early teens. And until that moment, it was actually really quite fun. And then she reads it out and it's kind of like, oh, my God. Oh, no, I'm part of it that now. Is, it's not just me having so fun. That is so embarrassing. My friends will see that. What are you doing? <laughs> How can you do that? Oh, my God. It called, oh. I said, it was kind of, it was, it was, it was kind of quite bad that day. I was going to oh, ask that. you actually about that, about how how do your kids? I mean, they're not uh, they're not really kids anymore, some of them. But like, how have they responded over the years about you being on Twitter? Well, I think that that as they've got older, um, it's become a bit easier. Um, the, the the reality is we've we've been very very protecting of them as individuals. Um, in a very because we were because we were. With a, a married couple in the cabinet, we were so yeah. exposed. Yeah. So we've never. There's no photos of them. We've never spoken about them as individuals. I've never ever mentioned any of them or any of their names in any tweet or any social media or in any interview. Really, I talk um, generically about our kids or bigger parents. But I think they they always had this view that they wanted to be able to walk into the school playground and be themselves first, not the somebody who is identified as being the child of a cabinet minister. And therefore, I mean, which is partly why they've got their mum's surname, because it gives them a little bit more anonymity, which is quite important. Um, And so, but every now and then, when they were younger, if if they thought that their friends might see something and then that would kind of identify me and 
them by association in a way which would be embarrassing to them. Every now and then they'd kind of get a bit annoyed. And that, that X Factor one, I remember, whereas whereas the Eurovision Song Contest, which we've also, I've also done kind of quite over the years, a few tweets about, um, was never caused any embarrassment because I don't think anybody aged 15 was watching the Eurovision Song Contest anyway. <laughs> so therefore they, they didn't they didn't care. But the X Factor one, they did they did care about. And that so was you, kind you've of like, got to like almost pick and choose the cultural touch points you're going to use <laughs> yeah. so yeah, that your I think, kids aren't like, Dad! Well, look, dads are supposed to be embarrassing. Yeah, that's your job, and that's why we love I've you. Had, I've had moments of overachievement. <laughs> <laughs> we had this moment last September where our, um, during the one of the, the worst moments around Brexit and lots of antagonism, uh, and it was the moment where Boris Johnson as Prime Minister had a big clash in the House of Commons uh, with um, Paula Sheriff, who was the... Dewsbury MP at the time, and she was very um, angry with him for being, he, he sort of, she's the MP for the same seat as Joe Cox um, had lived in, and yeah. um, and he was dismissive. And I, our oldest daughter, who was um, who's now 21, so she's 20, she was very upset about this. And, you know, Yvette's had lots of, we've had lots of issues just in terms of um, Yvette's safety. And she decided the next day that she wanted to say something, and she wanted to write an article saying, don't they understand what they're doing when they raise this, this hate and this antagonism? Yeah. It makes people like us feel scared. And, um, and we were quite worried about this. And Yvette and I had long conversations with her over a couple of hours saying, are you sure that you want to put yourself out into um, the public arena? And what the interesting thing she then decided to do was to do it on Twitter. Because she decided that if she wrote an article, that was kind of like not what she would naturally do. But she did a series of tweets, a thread, in which she essentially wrote her article, in which she said um, that people should understand what the, the risks they're taking, and, we, and leadership can be about having a strong view without needing to divide. Yeah. And but also talking about the, the death threats that Avetta had, and um, some of the newspapers turned it into an article. I thought, but what was interesting was that she decided that Twitter was a better method for her to say it felt more natural to her yeah. to do it through Twitter than by writing an article. So true. Has there ever, um, for you, ever been a moment where you thought, I'm going to take a break from this, I'm just, I'm not going to be online, on social? Have you ever wanted to take a break or have you always been quite comfortable being able to control it yourself? And The nature of being a politician or, or in public life, I think, public policy life, is you have to have a sufficiently thick skin that you can allow things to, to not hurt you but not so thick that you don't see what's happening around you and understand it and listen to it. And if you allow the attacks to feel as though they overwhelm you, and that is everything everybody thinks, then that is um, that's very distorting. But if you don't listen to what the people who disagree with you say, then you're not going to understand what's going on. And finding that balance, and it is hard, and sometimes when it's very abusive, it's very, very hard. And mm. some of the stuff which gets, I mean... I see it now, every now and then, when a vet does something. And the stuff, because I'll get tagged in or kind of mentioned in it, I mean, it is it's astonishing what people yeah. say. How, how do you support each other when that happens? What do you do to help her and how, how, how do you kind of work through it? The thing which we don't do ever is sit down and scroll through each other's timelines together. Mm. Although I, at times, will do that just to make sure I know what's happening for her. And probably what we'll do is not talk about what's been said on Twitter, but about you know, what she's doing and why, and why it's the right thing, or how to think yeah. about it, or what's next. And you sort because of, you have to keep remembering what your purpose is and yeah, why you're involved in this, and to get to, to get to the bigger place. Whereas if you 
if you get dragged down into um, into kind of taking seriously or responding to every piece of personal abuse, well, that just does your head in. And that's <laughs> what I mean about having a thick enough skin to be able to deal with it without being so thick that you become unaware. And I think that is that's very hard balance to get. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad. And I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. We're going to do your first post, worst post, best post. Have you got my first post? Have you yes. got it? Yes. Do you, you know what I discovered? And this obviously relates to the, the infamous tweet. But I knew I was going to come and do this today. And so three hours ago, I tried to look up my timeline. I couldn't find anything. It's weird. I couldn't get back beyond April 2018. So I realised that even now, I don't know how to search. So I tried to find my first tweet. I couldn't find it. So it's straight into business. So it was on June 18th, 2009. You were actually on Twitter earlier than that, but you didn't tweet for a a bunch of months. Um, Yeah, which was very fun for me. That might explain why I couldn't find them. (laughs) Yeah. I spent last night trying to find your tweets and just none coming up and being like, hang on. And then I realised you hadn't tweeted for a few months when you set up your account. Uh-huh. So your first tweet on June 18th, 2009 is, I'm pleased all the expenses are finally up on the parliamentary website. See mine at www.parliament.uk or www.edballs.com. And then you follow up with, apologies, I'm a Twitter novice. I'm lying in bed trying to figure this one out. <laughs> is, that, is that really what I did the first yeah. one? Yeah, straight in with, with expenses. Should I tell you what happened? Tom Watson, old friend of mine, he was um, cabinet office minister, uh, became deputy of the Labour Party, very Mm. early social media adopter. He said to me in 2008, he said, you've got to do Twitter. It's going to be the thing. I wasn't wrong. Uh, No, no, but I think I was one of the very first. I mean, I was really early as a politician. You were. You were four Um, years before me. And I was like 19 and like on the vibe. (laughs) So I was a cabinet minister with a Twitter account. So cool. And then, and so I set it up because Tom tells me to. And then I'm getting the train up to, um, to Yorkshire from London on a Friday, back to the constituency. And I press this button. I think somebody said to me, would I like more followers? So I said, yes, thinking, isn't that what we're supposed to want? And it yeah. was one of those automatic kind of things where, you know, 
subscribe to get more followers. Oh, no. Yeah. And it was kind of like, oh, Uh. disaster. (laughs) And and, uh, I started getting these things appear on my timeline saying, they're all about me wanting more, and and so it was a disaster. Oh no! And so that, and you that don't was know that, what to do. I didn't know what to do. So I then rang him, and he said, "Delete it, delete it." So <laughs> I deleted it, and that was my first one. And I was so destabilized by this that I then did nothing for six months. <laughs> that, that was what happened. I was so devastated by this. So you know, my history of scrubs with Twitter goes back a very, very. Very long way. I was going to ask, you know, what training did you get as a politician going <laughs> on to Twitter? I think you've answered your question, but maybe you'd like to expand on Do you that. Me- you, me- you remember, see, Dave- David Cameron, years later, saying too many tweets uh, make a, um, it was a bad it was a twat, he said, but it's, it's, <laughs> he said that, I said that on an interview on LBC. But this was like years after, and back in this point, 2008 9, I mean, very, very few people had done it. No. And it was, and it felt quite scary. And it was like walking into a public place and just deciding to just shouting address stuff them. And, you know, and, and you would never do that. It's like walking to a pub and saying, here I am, I'm ordering a gin and tonic. Yeah. <laughs> why, why do we care? I mean, get <laughs> walking into a bar and so just yelling that all the expenses are up on the parliamentary <laughs> website. <laughs> did, did they start later on? Did they start training you? Like, what, what, is the, what was the level of understanding of social media in Parliament by the time you say left? So I've never, ever had a training course. Oh, my God. Um, but nor have I ever seen one advertised. Oh, my God. I don't think, I don't think that anybody, at least, at least in my day, and so it might be different the last two or three years, would ever have had social media training. No. And you, you did it all. I mean, we, we, we did have, there was option to have media training where you would um, go and learn to do a, a broadcast interview. In social, social media training, I've never heard of it. And I think that's crazy. I think everybody, everybody learned it by screwing it up or copying people who were doing it better. And we've just said how difficult it is for politicians to make mistakes and how much a campaign can, say, hinge on a yep. picture of someone eating a sandwich going viral on social. And they're not taking it seriously. I mean, hopefully they are now. I find this absolutely fascinating because when I went into Parliament in 2017 to do the Upskirting campaign, I I was there for two years. And the one thing I came out with thinking was it is unbelievable how little generally everyone understands the digital world and social media and and how it can be used and more just strategy with it because what would happen is I'd go in and have various meetings on different things every time I talk about it I'd be met with like blank faces and I think I realized during campaigning what a tool that was that I understood social media in a very deep way in strategy because I used to work in advertising as well and they had no no idea and I don't and I think there's a lot of misconceptions about parliament I think people imagine you've got teams of people who are doing long-term you know social media strategy uh, campaigns with you and stuff and it's just not like that is it even conversations about political campaigns being really good on social media yeah. has only really been said in the last four or five years i would i would say i don't remember pre-2015 that being the kind of thing people talked about that much no. but how you would use a social media campaign because we always we kind of thought campaigns were where you advertised in the newspapers and on television and did interviews. Yeah, print and campaigns and stuff. Exactly. And that, that, has, that has changed a lot. And nowadays, I think um, there would be, there, 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 there's huge teams and lots of, um, of engagement there. What would you say is your worst post? I'd argue, it's, I'd, I'd argue this is your best one and then you should be very proud of it. If it's the one we're thinking of. Well, there have been quite a few bad posts over the years. And actually, one of the ones that I have a um, there, there is a, 
a post I put up um, of me being tasered. Um, I saw that one, which is actually quite, 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 quite. I mean, in terms of in terms of pain, literally linked to what is in the tweet, the tasering is. But it's got to be. I'm afraid in the end, it's got to be my own name, isn't it? Really? Oh my god, it has. <laughs> I was wondering, Thank I you. didn't want to bring it up. I was like, I how are we going to do this if you're not going to say the best? Because I would say, honestly, I believe, and for the reasons that I will set out, that I think this is your best post because I think that it's one of the most relatable sort of um, things I've ever seen on Twitter. We, we, everyone's yeah. done something like that. And not only did you not delete it, maybe at first because you didn't know how to but then as it progressed for years. you did for years okay you didn't know how to for years I didn't, okay. I didn't, I didn't find out until two years later I oh if I had known I might have done it quickly okay but once, so... once it took off Caitlin Moran we retweeted it apparently in the first hour oh. it was her fault because she oh, had I loads see. of followers I mean it might have just never been noticed I think I it might probably have... would have been but the, um, <laughs> the, but the it's not surprising that everyone, everyone loves it so much. It's become a now a national day. So I suppose, in your own words, do you want to just explain what we're talking about for anyone who doesn't know about? Well, it was it was um, it was the day before the royal wedding, and we were having a street party with all the people who live on our road in Casper, Yorkshire, um, and we were going to do pool pork barbecue overnight, um, twenty five people, and I'd gone to Asda in Casper in order to do the buy the stuff. And as I'm going around, I had my BlackBerry in my pocket. And it turns out, unbeknown to me, there is an Uber Twitter glitch. And so uh, one of my office people rang me and said, you need to look at this. And I said, how do I find it? And she said, just search your name and it'll come up. It's on Twitter. So I do. And then the Uber Twitter glitch, it seemingly went back in my pocket. It got knocked and it tweeted my name. But I had no idea until half an hour later, as I'm leaving, my media person rings me and says, why don't you tweet your own name? And I said, what, what are you talking about? He said, well, and I, I said, I didn't even know. So I look it up. I think, oh, and he said, oh, well, but, you know, if, if either of us had thought at that time, by the way, my media guy went on to be head of communications. He's currently head of communications um, oh, wow. for Facebook for Europe, having also worked for head of communications. But back then, in 2011, he never said to be deleted. He didn't know either. Oh, my gosh. So anyway, but then we just ignore it. Then it'll go away. And don't even think about it. And then two hours later... He rings me again and says, you know, this has just got a bit weird. He said, you should just go and, go, go and look at what's happening. I said, what you, it's Friday night. I'm preparing a barbecue. And there's all these people retweeting this thing. And it was kind of like weird. And it was, yeah. it was, and I remember it was sort of slightly surreal, but kind of funny. And, you know, my name kind of lends itself to this kind of thing anyway. So that, that is, and, and, then, and then it went. And so then nobody thought anything at all about it at all until... The following year, like two weeks before, suddenly uh, these tweets start to appear. Again. Kind of almost like a mystery. And there would be, I remember, the one I remember was, you know when you go on the tube and they have the list of lines saying, you know, delays? Yeah. Mm. And somebody wrote the Victoria Line, Northern Line, Bakerloo Line, Ed Balls. <laughs> and so so for anyone who doesn't know, people just started, just, just tweeted to commemorate um, Ed Balls Day, 28th of April, every year. We've actually just celebrated the ninth consecutive Ed Balls Day. <laughs> and people uh, just celebrate by, by, by tweeting Ed Balls. <laughs> but it was, it's interesting because uh, it's now people make mistakes a lot, but it was one of the first kind of high-profile things like that that happened. I suppose that's true. But quite how it became something which people went back to. I mean, I've done interviews about other things in America, India, Australia, where I get asked about it. Wow. I, I, 
I actually was asked to go and do a speech to a business local government association in Florida, go all the way to make the speech, ask to meet the organizers and say to them, you know, why did you want me? And there was the head of communications for Diageo in the Southern American oh, yeah. States who said, um, we wanted just to meet the guy who did the tweet. Oh, my God. And that was, what? <laughs> Can I ask you a personal kind of question and answer honestly? It, you're obviously someone who's done a lot of amazing things. You've had an amazing career, and this thing has been such a big, a big part of your public persona and all that stuff. Are you annoyed about it when people bring it up? Does it kind of annoy you, or are you happy, quite happy to laugh about it still? I think if you can't laugh at it, then then you'd go completely crazy. I agree. And <laughs> if you if you if you said to me when I was 21, you'll have a day which people celebrate in their tens of thousands around the world <laughs> in your memory, I would have said, well, that's great. And yeah. If you told me it will be because of, um, of a social media mishap, I wouldn't have known what you're talking about, obviously, when I was 21. <laughs> but I think, I think you know, I mean, that other people have days named after them for greater achievements than mine. So in, in that sense, it's sort of slightly kind of thing. But on the other hand, you know, just think, if people enjoy it, it's fun. And yeah. I think that if I, if, I sat, if I ever looked like I was taking it seriously by being either annoyed about it or enjoying it, then it would backfire because Twitter doesn't like that. You just mm. I've just got to shrug my shoulders and think, you know, whatever. There was one year where everybody went a bit crazy in the advertising world. Virgin did a plane with Ed Balls on with me being like the emblem at the front. There was a Pizza Hut pizza. Um, Marmite renamed the Marmite Pot. Um, the National Trust have done Ed Balls adverts. And so... And, and so it would be ridiculous not to smile at that. Oh, it's think, just well, so there fun. we are. And, you know, I mean, I could have made a difference and maybe greater contribution to society, but, you know, <laughs> and maybe there's some things I did in my career which, which were important but aren't commemorated by a day, but um, you just got to smile. We'll go on to your best post as well. I've done 7,500. There must be some good ones in there. Oh, sure. As I said, I still, I still get um, people asking... Me to retweet my lasagna recipe. Um, I had a, I had a I had a retweet of my name by Mark Hamill, Luke Skywalker. Oh, that's Star a good Wars. one. That was a good one. My best one though actually came from the closing night of the Olympics, the Olympic ceremony, and it's not clear at all from the tweet why it's so good. Okay. But um, <laughs> but it was, the, it was the closing ceremony, and the Spice Girls were playing, and then the political editor of the Sunday Times says, you know, but what about Spandau Ballet? And yes. I then say, this is the question, because, of course, you know, Spandau Ballet, one of their big songs was gold, mm-hmm. um, gold medal, Olympic ceremony. I've been a big Spandau Ballet fan in the, in the 80s. We all were. We were kind of new romantics, slightly long hair. And why weren't Spandau Ballet at the, at the Olympics? And That's I then really say, well, you know, So That's And I do a second tweet saying, you know, we should have Spandau Ballet or ELO. Two years later, we get a call to the office when I'm Shadow Chancellor to say, we hear that Ed is a really big Spandau Ballet fan. We're doing a special celebration of Spandau Ballet's career, a two-hour ITV Saturday night show, and we want a couple of people to who'd be willing to talk about their love of Spandau Ballet, and would he, would he film about Spandau Ballet? Oh, my God. So I say, well, of course I will. So they come to the Shadow Cabinet Room in Parliament with all their cameras. For me to say, you know, to cut a long story short, they're indestructible. And then, and then, you know, if you're not a Spandau Valley fan, you'd no, no idea why this is. No, good. Yeah. That, that was, that was, by the way, that was really good. It's and a then, lyric. It's very good lyric from a song. It's very good. So then, so, and then I get, we get invited to go to the live filming of Spandau Valley's special concert. I meet, you know, the Kemps, 
I meet I meet I meet wow. the you know I meet I meet Tony Hadley. Um, we took our um, two younger kids, and then after the end of their first song, and the producers are all saying, "Could you really cheer and whoop really loudly because get the atmosphere in the studio?" So we've all stood up to cheer, other than our youngest daughter. She she doesn't stand up. As we all sit down, we turn to her and say, "You, know, you need to stand up because we might be on camera." She said, "She said, who are these men and why are they so old?" Oh my god! And she, and she she had absolutely no idea who they were, why we were there, or whatever. So for her, this was a slightly kind of disappointing evening. But for Aww. me, it was one of the great nights of my life to be there on stage, you know, on the video, my tribute to Spandau Ballet, and that all happened because of one tweet. That is the closing ceremony. Normally, people's best tweets are like, oh, I said something quite funny. That was like a brilliant best tweet. <laughs> I know, but it was sort of, it was such a mild tweet. Why aren't Spandau Valley in the closing ceremony? And suddenly, I go from that to being one of their greatest fans. Well, of oh. course, you know, I've become even more of a fan over the years now. Yeah. Obviously, you well, that's what happens when you, you need to tweet more about your preferences. You might be invited <laughs> to loads of stuff. <laughs> Actually, I saw you tweeting about Beyonce's Glastonbury set on BBC iPlayer. Maybe so you'll good. do it the next. Well, I've, I've, I mean, that is an astonishing Oh, she's amazing. Did you know, Ed, uh, Beyonce, your favourite uh, artist, has a new album out on July 31st? I'm looking so forward to it. Uh, tweet about that, uh, you'll be invited uh, to the uh, showing uh, of it. Do the dance, let's all do the dance. That song is very much targeted at it. Hey, Lou. Hey, Lou. Shall we do follow and follow block? So follow and follow block is um, where we just give you three things. And you okay. tell us whether you would follow, unfollow, or block them. Okay. I, I was going to give you a, a football, politics, and TV work. Like, which would you follow, unfollow, and which would you block, and why? And 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 just so I know, why can't I follow all of them? Because, because that's, that's not the game. The game. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> okay. Um, in that case, uh, I, I'm going to um, I'm going to follow politics. Okay. Because politics, I think, is the one thing where I feel as though I want to be able to be able to immerse quickly on any um, day. And if I were to do something, I just, I, just, I, I would feel um, cut off if I yeah. um, wasn't able to immerse myself into the politics world of Twitter. I think football, I learned that basically, basically doing Twitter linked to football if you have a link to a football club, it's basically a catastrophe. Okay. Because any time we won and you do a tweet, nobody cares. Aww. But the moment you've done one when you've won, and if you lose, you also have to do one. And when you do one, the whole world piles in and says, I was the chairman of the football club, it's your fault. Oh, yeah. And therefore, the best thing to do was never to tweet if you've lost, which means you can't tweet when you've won. No. The best thing to do is not tweet at all. So basically, read the newspaper, read the program, don't do Twitter. Right. And then, um, and so, so football is going to be um, um, is going to be block. And then TV work. I mean, in a way, because you only gave me three choices, that ends up becoming the other one. <laughs> but I sort of think. Um, but you still get to see that stuff. You haven't blocked it. You still get to kind of be involved with it because you've you've unfollowed it, but it's still there. Yeah, and also, I don't think I use Twitter so much in my TV work. I, kind yeah. of, I, I um if I'm if I'm traveling for work um, when we're filming, I will use Twitter as a way of keeping in touch with what's going on back at home rather than it being something which I need for my work. Yeah. So, um, that, that, that's my, well that was that's good. My, that was some good, good one. Good strong answer. 
Ed Balls, thank you so much for coming on our podcast. We've loved having you. This is so great. So great. So fun to have you. And please do follow Ed on Twitter at Ed Balls. Um, And of course, on the 20th of April, please do acknowledge the day. Celebrate Um, him. (laughs) (laughs) And then also, he's on on Instagram um, at Ed Balls1967. And do uh, follow us at Mike Delete Later pod on instagram and at mike delete pod on twitter as well remember social media can be fun and useful which is weird because why am i crying stevie hates it but however you feel about it if it starts to make you feel bad you can always delete later or just exclusively tweet your own name thanks for being here we love you (laughs) Bye. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win, and support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc.